me. How loading mechanisms worked. How the grooves inside a rifle barrel rotated the bullet to send it out spinning. I told them about air friction and heat. They listened with concentration and asked the questions they always did. Can you tell us how a bomb works, sir? One day, I said. A nuclear bomb? One day. Uh, a hydrogen cobalt? Neutron bomb? One day. They never asked how radio waves crossed the ether, which was to me a greater mystery. They asked about destruction, not creation, about power, not symmetry. The seed of violence born in every male child looked out of every face, and I knew how they were thinking because I'd been there myself. Why else had I spent countless hours at their age practicing with a two-two cadet rifle on a range, improving my skill until I could hit a target the size of a thumbnail at fifty yards, nine times out of ten? A strange, pointless, sublimated skill, which I never intended to use on any living creature, but had never since lost. Is it true, sir, one of them said, that you won an Olympic medal for rifle shooting? No, it isn't. What then, sir? I want you all to consider the speed of a bullet compared to the speed of other objects you are all familiar with. Now, do you think that you could be flying along in an aeroplane and look out of the window and see a bullet keeping pace with you, appearing to be standing still just outside the window? The lesson wound on. They would remember it all their lives because of the gun. Without the gun, whatever Jenkins might think, it would have faded into the general dust they shook from their shoes every afternoon at four o'clock. Teaching, it often seemed to me, was as much a matter of image-jerking as of imparting actual information. The facts dressed up in jokes were the ones they got right in exams. I liked teaching. Specifically, I liked teaching physics a subject I suppose I embraced with passion and joy, knowing full well that most people shied away in horror. Physics was only the science of the unseen world, as geography was of the seen. Physics was the science of all the tremendously powerful invisibilities, of magnetism, electricity, gravity, light, sound, cosmic rays. Physics was the science of the mysteries of the universe, how could anyone think it dull? I'd been for three years head of the physics department of the East Middlesex Comprehensive, with four masters and two technicians within my domain. My future, from my present age of thirty-three, looked like a possible deputy headmastership, most likely with a move involved, and even perhaps a headship, though if I hadn't achieved that by forty I could forget it. Headmasters got younger every year. Mostly, Cynic suggested, because the younger the man they appointed, the more the authorities could boss him about. I was, all in all, contented with my job, and hopeful of my prospects. It was only at home that things weren't so good. 4A learned about momentum, and Arkady ate his apple when he thought I wasn't looking. My peripheral vision, after ten years of teaching, was, however, so acute that at times they thought I could literally see out of the back of my head. It did no harm. It made control easier. Don't drop the core on the floor, Paul, I said. It was one thing to let him eat the apple. He deserved it. But quite another to let him think I hadn't seen.
Keeping a grip on the monsters was a perpetual psychological game, but also priority number one. I'd seen stronger men than myself reduced to nervous breakdowns by the hunting pack instincts of children. When the end of lesson bell rang, they did me the ultimate courtesy of letting me finish what I was saying before erupting into the going-home stampede. It was, after all, the last lesson on Friday, and God be thanked for weekends. I made my way slowly round the four physics laboratories and the two equipment rooms, checking that everything was in order. The two technicians, Louisa and David, were dismantling and putting away all apparatus not needed on Monday, picking 5E's efforts at radio circuitry to pieces and returning the batteries, clips, bases and transistors to the countless racks and drawers in the equipment rooms. Shooting anyone special, Louisa said, eyeing the gun which I was carrying with me. Well, I didn't want to leave it unattended. Is it loaded? Her voice sounded almost hopeful. By late Friday, she was always in the state in which one never asked her for an extra favour. Not, that is, unless one was willing to endure a weepy ten minutes of You don't realise how much this job entails, which on most occasions I wasn't. Louise's tantrums, I reckoned, were based on her belief that life had cheated her, finding her at forty as a sort of storekeeper, efficient, meticulous and helpful, but not a great scientist. If I'd gone to college, she would say, leaving the strong impression that if she had, Einstein would have been relegated. I dealt with Louisa by retreating at the warning signs of trouble, which was maybe weak, but I had to live with her professionally, and bouts of sullenness made her slow. My list for Monday, I said, handing it to her. She glanced disparagingly down it. Martin has ordered the oscilloscopes for third period. The school's shortage of oscilloscopes was a constant source of friction. Well, see what you can manage, I said. Can you make do with only two? I said I supposed so, smiled, hoped it would keep fine for her gardening, and left for home. I drove slowly, with the leaden feeling of resignation clamping down as it always did on the return journey. Between Sarah and me there was no joy left. No springing love. Eight years of marriage and nothing to feel but a growing boredom. We had been unable to have children. Sarah had hoped for them, longed for them, pined for them. We'd been to every conceivable specialist, and Sarah had had countless injections and pills and two operations. My own disappointment was bearable, though nonetheless deep. Hers had proved intractable and finally disabling in that she had gone into a state of permanent depression from which it seemed nothing would rescue her. We'd been told by encouraging therapists that many childless marriages were highly successful, husband and wife forging exceptionally strong bonds through their misfortune. But with us it had worked in reverse. Where once there had been passion, there was now politeness. Where plans and laughter, now... A grinding hopelessness, where tears and heartbreak, silence. I hadn't been enough for her without babies. I'd been forced to face the fact that to her motherhood mattered most, that marriage had been but the pathway that many a man would have done. I wondered unhappily from time to time how soon she would have divorced me had it been I who had proved infertile. 
and it was profitless also to guess that we would have been contented enough forever if she herself had been fulfilled. I dare say it was a marriage like many another. We never quarrelled, seldom argued. Neither of us any longer cared enough for that. And as a total prolonged way of life, it was infinitely dispiriting. It was a homecoming like thousands of others. I parked outside the closed garage doors and let myself into the house with arms full of air gun and exercise books. Sarah, home as usual from her part-time job as a dentist's receptionist, sat on the sofa in the sitting room reading a magazine. Hello, I said. Hello. Good day. Not bad. She hadn't looked up from her pages. I hadn't kissed her. Perhaps for both of us it was better than total loneliness, but not much. There's ham for supper, she said. And coleslaw. They're all right. Mm, fine. She went on reading. A slim, fair-haired girl. Still arrestingly pretty, but now with a settled, resentful expression. I was used to it, but in flashes suffered unbearable nostalgia for the laughing eagerness of the early days. I wondered sometimes if she noticed that the fun had gone out of me too, although I could sometimes feel it still bubbling along inside, deeply buried. On that particular evening I made an effort, as I did more and more rarely, to jog us out of our dimness. Look, let's just dump everything and go out to dinner. Maybe to Thoriston's, where there's dancing. She didn't look up. Don't be silly. But let's just go. I don't want to.